Boogie Down with Reformed Dabo Girl Chase Masterson as she takes you inside Discovery every week on Disco Nights from the producers of Inglorious Trexperts, wherever you listen to Inglorious Trexperts and the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, co-host of Inglorious Trexperts. And if you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, and who isn't, check out my new oral history of Battlestar Galactica with Ed Gross, So Say We All. It spans the complete history of Battlestar Galactica from the 1978 series to Ronald Moore's brilliant reinvention and even Galactica 1980. Available from Tor Books wherever books are sold. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and you're listening to the Inglorious Trexperts. Or it really is singular because my co-host, the great Darren Docterman, is on a secret mission on Romulus and not here with us today. I could do my Carl Sagan imitation. I know that he, he likes the <laughs> Sagan imitation. Actually, Darren is in Ticonderoga, New York, uh, on the sets, the original Star Trek uh, set tour uh, with uh, James Cawley and, and um, Bill Shatner and Anson Mount having a great time. And uh, but uh, fortunately, to keep me company while Darren is off in the cold, I have um, the great David A. Goodman is back. Welcome great back, to be David. Here. David, of course, uh, not only was a um, consulting producer on Star Trek Enterprise, he wrote the autobiography of um, uh, Captain Kirk and um, uh, John Luke Picard, the upcoming uh, autobiography of Spock. But uh, he is an executive producer on the Orville, which recently debuted. We're loving the new season. Yeah, well, very excited about it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, knock on wood, we get another season. So that'd be yeah. great because we all know how great season three is of sci fi shows. <laughs> no, um, that's when it kicks in. <laughs> that's yeah. when it kicks in. And, uh, no, and, and, um, David, of course, uh, was a showrunner on Family Guy and he also has worked on a bunch of shows, uh, going back to, uh, Team Knight Rider. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> when are we going to do the Team Knight Rider podcast? That's what well, I Well, you know, I think we'll get you and Steve Krizier uh, to do it. I know, it. yeah. We'll have at least three or four listeners. Exactly. It'll be, it'll be great. One of them will be... Uh, Steve Krizier and David Goodman. That's two <laughs> listeners. Rick Kopp will be at home listening. Um, anyway, look, it's good to have you back. I think we have a really fun show today because we're going to talk about the stars on other treks. I am so excited by this topic. I just want to say, I, I, it has such personal relevance for me, and I am, I'm ready to go, Mark. Because what people <laughs> d- may not know or realize is, of course, you know, these actors aren't just the characters they play. They're versatile actors That's in right. some cases. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, have played many, many different roles. Right. And, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the non-Trek roles that our favorite Star Trek actors, and even some of our less Star Trek right. actors, right. Have, uh, have, have been on. So... Uh, um, let it, let's talk. I guess it all starts with the sun on which all the planets revolve. Bill Shatter, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, and you know. So I'm re- I, I'm I'm just going to talk about myself for a minute. That the uh, when Star Trek was when I was watching Star Trek uh, in reruns on Channel Eleven in New York when I was a kid. At me too. You too. Six p.m. Every night, I'd somehow have dinner. And twice on Fridays. And, and for some reason, dinner was always, my mother was always serving dinner at five to six. So I ate dinner in five minutes and then went upstairs because this is pre VCRs, you know, DVRs, whatever. Um, and you become a Star Trek fan, and, and all you have then is the reruns of the original series. And then you could. You, you you could go to conventions, but they didn't happen that often. And you 
could get fanzines, but many of them weren't very good. And they were they were beginning to publish uh, the novels. You had the James Bliss novels, but there, you you had this hunger for more Star Trek. And so so I would always look to see where the actors, especially Shatner, but also Nimoy, the other stuff they were in. In the 70s, Shatner was this journeyman actor, and he was guest starring on cop shows, and he'd been on guest starring in westerns, and, and it was always super exciting to get to see whatever he was doing, because somehow it was Star Trek to me, even though it was a Western or whatever. He's playing Paul Revere in The Bastard, which was this adaptation of this American Revolution novel. Uh, and uh, Or he's a guest star in The Six Million Dollar Man playing an astronaut. So that's kind of that's kind of Star Trek. He's an astronaut, you know, on Six Million Dollar Man. Or, or there's a rerun of The Outer Limits, where, which took place, which was filmed before Star Trek, mm-hmm. you know this one, Cold Hands, Warm Heart, yeah, yeah. where he is um, a, an astronaut, another astronaut, uh, working on Project Vulcan. You know, like, <laughs> what, what, what's going on here? So there's a way in which, like, you're just, my hunger for Star Trek back in those days would be looking for all the stuff Shatner was doing. You even wonder that, if even... Bob Justman had the idea to bring to Roddenberry for Shatner, you know? Because, because he had been on Justin oh, had produced Outer Limits, oh, maybe. and and he had worked with Shatner, right? You know, as an astronaut, right? And because you know, in all the copious writings about Star Trek yeah. that we've read, that I've written, that other people have written, you know, people say all the people that were up for the role that Gene wanted, right? And then William Shatner ended up doing it. But they never talk about where the idea for Shatner came from. Right. Was it the casting director? You know, who suggested Shatner? People don't remember. I'm sure it's been lost. This, right. You know, he was on a failed TV show. What was it? For the People at the right. time. That, right. That, um, had that show gone another season, he would not have been able to do Star Trek. But um, I had heard somewhere, maybe did I read it in some book, that like one of the reasons Roddenberry didn't like uh, Hunter was that Hunter had this very good marriage and and that Shatner was a bit of a a dog the way Roddenberry was and that, that he related to him personally that way did you? I've never heard that story <laughs> I've never heard that story. I, I don't know it, where I heard, heard it. it so it might not be true so I don't want everybody going out and saying did Shatner tell you that <laughs> no no I don't know I feel like I heard that somewhere or maybe maybe I made it up but but Hunter was in this like very tight marriage and that was one of the reasons he didn't do Star Trek was his wife. His wife was the one who said it was silly and right. ridiculous and he shouldn't do it. You're a movie star, not right. a TV actor. And even though Shatner, I, you know, I don't think he was divorced yet, but he was a bit of a dog. He was a bit of a, you know, a, a womanizer yeah. as Roddenberry was too. Yes, yes. Uh, I always thought maybe, maybe, maybe I just made that up. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I have no idea. It's in my head and I don't know, did I, did I make that connection or did that somebody actually tell me that? But, uh, yeah, no. So, so it's like you, you, and Shatner really was this just working actor, and you can see him in all, you know. And then he starts to get the Shatner '70s long hair cut. You know, he's got the different hairdo. You know, and he's he's in this series. Uh, I was very excited when this this show Barbary Coast Barbary Coast. Premiered. I was so excited. So was I. That was like, oh my god, Captain Kirk's on a new show. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. And and it's a ripoff of the Wild Wild West. Yeah. And it's terrible. 
Like, yeah, I bought the DVDs terrible. recently. It's unwatchably bad. I'm sorry that I am <laughs> criticizing whoever the writers were. They may be long gone. As president of WGA, you I should, should not, not be, be throwing writers under the exactly bus. Exactly not. But it, this was such a bad show. I, 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 it, was, it came and went so quickly. But I remember the ads for it and being so excited for it. It seemed like a fun show, and it really, it really wasn't. Um, uh, there's, a great, there's a great weird TV movie uh, as the head of the 4:30 podcast, you you know of the back in the 70s, there was the Tuesday and Wednesday night movies on ABC, and these were made for television, made for television movies every week. They'd have two of them, and one of these made for television movies is this movie, Pray for the Wildcats. So you can find it uh, bits of it on YouTube because it's such a weird movie, and this movie stars Andy Griffith. And William Shatner and Robert Reed and an actor named Marjo Gortner, and the, who became a preacher later in his life. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Marjo Gortner. You know, uh, because he was in all these bad right. sci-fi B movies yeah. in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, so we all star. loved Marjo Gortner. He's and then he star became crash. like a preacher or something. That's so interesting. So he, so this movie, Andy Griffith plays this boss, and he makes all his executives in his company go on this dirt bike trip to Baja, Mexico. Baja. And and, uh, and and it's this terrible movie and 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 it's kind of this heart of darkness kind of story where where <laughs> Andy Andy Griffith like kills somebody and the, all the executives have to cover it up but but the weird <laughs> but the weird part of the movie is they're wearing on the on the dirt bikes they're all wearing these gold shirts that look like Star Trek uniforms. Oh my god. Without the insignia. It's such a weird choice. Like you it's like what 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 are they doing? Like I don't even know was it a, a, a sweater that you would wear back then? It was so weird, but you can see it online. I I, I encourage oh, everybody. That's one to I have go. to check out because I have not seen it, and I want to make a point right. of. Uh, you know, my my favorite uh, predates uh, Star Trek. Um, I don't know. Have you have you seen Shatner as Alexander the Great? Oh my God! Yes, oh. with Adam West and uh, uh, Joseph Cotton. Yes, and it's just loaded. And John Cassavetes. Yeah, John Cassavetes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's amazing, and that almost is like a lost episode of Star Trek in a way. It, it was a pilot for a series. Yeah, it was yeah. a pilot, for, but you can get it on DVD. It's it's available, a, a, a legitimate, not yeah. a bootleg DVD, and it's a, and it's terrible. It's terrible, but it feels like a third <laughs> season episode of Star, like Plato's stepchildren, a little bread and circuses, you know, where he's playing Alexander the Great. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's Shatner, you know, pre Kirk, just he looks great. Yeah, he's just no, powerful, and and there's a whole sequence where he's taking a bath, he's trying to make sure the water's hot, and then there's a <laughs> then there's a wrestling scene, and and it's a weird Batman Star Trek crossover because Adam West totally. is his best friend, yeah. and this is before Adam West did Batman. did uh, you know. Yeah, I remember asking Adam about it. Adam did Family Guy, and he's like, "Yeah, William, Bill, and I in our togas." You know, he seemed to. <laughs> he was very funny about it. Uh, but uh, that's funny. I, you know, I totally forgot, of course, that you worked with Adam so much on, yeah. on Family Guy. That must have been a treat for you. Very much so. I mean, you know, to see to get to work with uh one of your you know whenever you get to work with one of the heroes of your childhood and Adam was such a sweet man I mean he was so and so game I mean he you know anything we gave him to do he was just there he never not only complained but he wanted to do it well and he was always and I think Seth really gave gave him a new kind of stardom. There's all sorts of kids who have no idea that Adam they was just know him right yeah, they know yeah. him from Family Guy uh, Mayor West and, did you um have you seen those new uh, direct-to-video um, 
uh, Batman 66, uh, uh, Return of the Cape Crusaders. I haven't, where he did the voice. He, he did the voice of Batman, and yeah. then Shatner does Two-Face. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and so that's, uh, a, they're really a lot of fun. There's oh, two of them. The first one, uh, Shatner's not in. Um, but you know they have all you know all the living actors, yeah, yeah. and then um, and it, it's a, it's a ton of fun, uh, both of them, yeah. and they're they're available either you know on Amazon right, or, right. or through uh, a, you know um, Apple yeah. uh, iTunes. But uh, there's a, oh there's also another uh, Shatner TV movie, The People. You know this one? No. no. Oh my God, Mark. How can you call yourself a Trexpert? All right. I didn't say I was a Shatnerfert. <laughs> I said I was a Trexpert. All right, so this okay, is a movie. I'm going to stump you then. No, but go ahead. <laughs> so there's this movie. It's a TV movie, and it takes place in this small sort of Quaker-like village, but it's a, it's modern times. It's the 70s, and, and William Shatner's the town doctor, and all the people- <laughs> doctor. The town doctor, and, and the, all, the, all the people in the town are-, are um, of a kind, they're like Quakers or something. And then this new teacher comes to town, Kim Dar, played by Kim Darby. Oh, how Mary. nice, Mary! Yeah. So, yeah. and this is in the seventies. This is after Star Trek, and Kim Darby finds out that the kids have these telekinetic powers. And in fact, this is a an, a, a colony of aliens, and <sighs> that and you, it's a great little movie. And it's this TV movie, and I think it might have been a backdoor pilot for a TV series. Um, uh, backdoor means uh, not; it's not a sexual term. Backdoor pilot would be uh, a TV movie that is a, a basically a pilot, right? Uh, so it can work as either a MOW, right. and then if it gets ratings, then right. it would be something that MOW could be spun stands off. for Movie of the Week. Sorry, <laughs> we, we should release the, the acronyms <laughs> on the uh, right, uh, you know, on the online. But, right? but uh, that's a great, you know, sort of post Star Trek Star Trek thing. Oh, another one. Both Shatner and Nimoy were villains on Columbo. Yes. And the and you know the other Star Trek actor in Shatner's Columbo episode. No. Who, who Walter Koenig plays a plays oh, a cop. Oh, of course, Walter. <laughs> who could forget? Not Khan. So I, I feel like I've I have all this information. At the you tip don't have, of your eye. Go ahead, stump me. Go ahead. Well, I mean, look, I'm not gonna stump you with Incubus. I mean, you know Incubus. I do you know, know Incubus, the, the only the Esperanto movie. movie yeah. Only movie shot in Esperanto. Or The Intruder, where he that's a great Roger Corman. The Roger Corman movie yeah. where he plays a racist. It's a, it's very timely. Very I, timely I, I, yeah, but I love the story they tell about the fact that um when he gives his his speech, uh, you know, uh, that, that basically they were filming in the small town in uh-huh. the South and that they, they basically just had him do his first line right. for the wide shots. Right. And then they came, when they came back, uh, they shot those like in the studio, his, all his close up because they were afraid right. that if he gave the whole speech, it would right. incite the crowd. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It's a very interesting movie. It's, a, it's weird. It's dated, but also holds up. It's, it's a weird little movie. Um, the, um, oh, and of course, well, of course, the, 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 what, what is the one TV show that Shatner and Nimoy did before Star Trek? Well, Man from Uncle. Yeah, that's yeah. The, I mean, it, but that's the only they, one they did together. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. of course, I mean, everyone remembers him from Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet and right. Twilight Zone. Right, but I'm saying that Shatner yeah. and oh, yeah, Nimoy were Man together. From Uncle, they were actually together. The Project Strygas Affair, and uh, it's uh, Nimoy's playing, I think, a Russian, uh, and Shatner's just they would not be reunited again uh, it, like that until T.J. Hooker. You're wrong. They wouldn't have filed without that gun, without that kind of evidence, and you know it. What have you got? You got another voice ID. You just said it yourself. Foster's pushing for another writ, and he'll walk away, Hooker. He'll walk away again. Yeah, he might. 
you don't turn it around. And if he does, you have yourself to thank for it. This is wrong, Paul. Dead wrong. Everything you're doing is getting in my way, Hooker. You're pushing your luck, Paul. And you're running out of it. Fast. That's Have you right. ever watched that T.J. Hooker? With... Yes. Yes. Oh my god. Not good. Well, the thing it's about the thing about Nimoy is Nimoy, and I talk about Nimoy too in terms of the kinds of roles he can play. I mean, obviously Spock. There's a weirdness and a weird look to Nimoy that 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 really works with Spock, and then and sometimes it works like he's in Shogun. He's amazing in Shogun. Yes. He's. Um, uh, he played Golda Meir's husband in A Woman Man, Called Woman Golda. Golda, which is where he met Hart Bennett. No, Hart Bennett had already known him and put him in that. I yeah, think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you know, so that that he. But then there are times where where Nimoy is playing a part, and he just horribly miscasts. There's so there's a episode of the Lieutenant, uh, yes. where he play where which also has Major Barrett in it, mm-hmm. and this Lieutenant is Gene Roddenberry's show before Star Trek. And and he's supposed to be playing this kind of, you know, Hollywood producer, this high kind of Hollywood, and he's terrible. Like Nimoy's terrible in this role. It's like he's so miscast, and and he, it's almost like Roddenberry liked him personally and gave him the part because he's not he's not filling the role at all. He's not he's doing his best, but he's miscast. Well, we always talked about Leonard. Leonard was more rabbinical in all his roles, right. not and more underplayed. Yes. So when you have to play this larger than life, yes. Lev, less Grossman kind of. Right. That's not a Nimoy role. He, it's not. That's a Shatner role. Exactly. You know, right. and and yes. that's why they work so well together. But also why right. you know Nimoy was definitely you know he wasn't. I wouldn't say he was a versatile actor. Right. You know, he, and after Star Trek, unlike it's very interesting to see how their paths diverge because Nimoy ended up doing a lot of theater. Right. Uh, you know, he did Equus. Um, I saw him in Equus on Broadway. When really? I was, yeah, yeah. I was. That was the 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 sort of the joke in my family because my mother was such a big theater goer and Equus had Richard Burton and I think Richard Harris in the lead role like they kept it was on Broadway for a number of years yeah. and these great actors of stage came in and my mother went to see it and said do you want to see this no I don't want to go I don't want then Leonard Nimoy's in it and I'm like I'm going I'm going <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and she's and my mother like rolls her eyes at me and but my sister went with me and you know he was great I, it's a very memorable uh a very memorable uh experience because there were the 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 way the the play is set up is that he's a professor and he's delivering a lecture. So there's people in the audience, but then there there are seats on the stage. Mm. So you're essentially like his students on the stage. So I was on the stage. Oh, with really? Nimoy. Yeah, as a kid, it was great. It was a great experience. My uh, my my one experience as a kid with Leonard Nimoy was he was signing autographs at the Kings Plaza. Uh, mall, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I had to go uh, to get his. This was back when I cared about autographs, which I don't generally. Right. And uh, so I waited online at Macy's to get his autograph. <laughs> and I figured, you know, I probably was like seven, eight years uh-huh. old, and I thought it'd be cool. I figured everybody's asking him about uh, Star Trek. I'd ask him about In Search of, <laughs> and I did. I asked him. I said, so you know, do you go to any of those locations, or do right. you just do narration studio? So I just do narration studio. <laughs> I'm like. 
Okay. I got I, an answer. I was so impressed with myself for, for being a reporter. For being a reporter future, and getting to the the future reporter in Mark the offing. Altman. That's yeah. right. And in search of is a great other example. That's of like, where I was going with that. Uh, yeah. I, I just bought. I mean, I or just bought this year. I bought the the DVD collection of In Search of just because I I watched that show religiously because there was a weird sort of Star Trek connection to it, like yes. mis- ancient mysteries and aliens and whatever. And, it's you know. so funny because talking, I hadn't really thought about this, but you know, now in the age of Netflix and streaming, where you can watch whatever you want. But back then, you know, Star Trek was canceled. We'd watch all the episodes many times. Anything that had a tangent, a tangential. Uh, overlap with Star Trek. So you would watch In Search of Every right. Week because it's Leonard, it was Spock, you know? Yeah, no. And, and you would watch Shatner on Battle of the Network Stars. R- right. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was great on Battle of the Network Stars. He was great. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite moments is when he was the uh, team captain for ABC when he was doing TJ Hooker. Uh-huh. And this was a, a show where all the stars from the different three networks would compete in um, Olympic-style competitions. Right. And so Howard Cosell, the great sports commentator, was one of the hosts. And uh, they interviewed all the captains. And they do this little interstitial on Shatner. He goes, well, I know a little something about being a captain. (laughs) It was so great. I remember it was very funny because the last last event is a tug of war. Yes. And I remember when he was captain, like, it was him against NBC – he was C.J. Hooker, and then, and for some reason, he he says right before the tug of so, Cosell says to him, "So, how are you feeling about the tug of war?" And Shannon says, "Oh, we have no chance. We're going to lose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have no chance at all. There's just no." And they lost, and it was like it was really funny. It's like he somehow scoped out the the competition, and they were just physically stronger than the ABC team. It's so which I thought funny that was hilarious because he's so competitive. <laughs> Yeah. You're not as competitive as Robert Conrad, but very right. competitive. And and so I'm surprised here, <laughs> you know, him size it up that well. Oh, I want to say just as a side note, because you bring up Robert Conrad, and I'm sure you know this clip, the you gotta go online and see the Robert Conrad Gabe Kaplan oh, the best. foot race. I'm not gonna talk about it, I don't want to give it away. It's one of the best things on YouTube. Battle of the Network Stars, here's your search parameters. Battle of the Network Stars, Robert Conrad, Gabe Kaplan. It's probably about eight minutes. Watch it, you'll love it. And just to tee it up without giving anything away, <laughs> Robert Conrad was the star of Bob Bob Black Sheep. He right. took himself very seriously. And then Gabe Kaplan, of course, was the star of the popular sitcom Welcome Back Cotter. Right. And, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of goofy and whatever. It's <laughs> yeah. whatever. Anyway, just go watch it. Yeah, watch it. Go watch it. Right. You won't, you won't be, be disappointed. Yes. Right. Exactly. Now, the other, obviously, I mean, Trek people talk about this all the time. And the other, the other Nimoy role is his other role as an alien in the 1950s. Oh, t- Zombies of the Stratosphere. Zombies of the Stratosphere. He plays uh, Narab uh, is the name of his character, and he's got kind of superish powers. And uh, I remember this. I remember this article uh, that I thought was very funny, funnily titled. Uh, Spot uh, Nimoy had a a biography for many years that called "I Am Not Spock." Later, he then did I Am Spock. I Am Spock. But for many years in the 60s and the 70s, that was his biography, I Am Not Spock. And then there was a, like a Starlog-like magazine doing an article as, on Zombies of the Stratosphere that was titled, and I'm not Narab either. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I tell you, you know, he had a really good sense of humor about that eventually. He didn't in the 70s. Yeah. But 
the one time I was ever at, at Leonard's house, um, I remember walking in very beautifully uh, decorated, you know, impeccably. And I think that was all, you know, Susan's influence. But when you walked into the main, the great room or the, 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 the main room when you walk in, the first thing you see is this gorgeous, giant zombies of the stratosphere one sheet framed oh, beautifully, wow. oversized. It wasn't a quad. I forget right. exactly, but it was this giant right. zombie distraction. The first thing you see when you walk in to the, the Leonard's house, and it just—it was so great. It was such yeah, a perfect yeah. touch. And I didn't see any Star Trek merchandise right. or anything, but I just—I love the fact that he had that kind of sense of humor. Yeah, the, about uh, this, you, you know, know, this role he has an actor that was. You know, paying the bills. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It was, it was so, be- and it was a beautiful piece of artwork. It was yeah. that sort of classic nineteen fifties painted right. artwork and everything. And and, uh, but it was really, uh, really funny. There was another sort of sci fi ish TV movie that he did after Star Trek called The Missing or Deadly, and this is was again one of these Tuesday or Wednesday night movies on ABC, uh, and I think, and um, it's about he plays a scientist and this. Uh, rare disease that was in a lab. Uh, this this kid kidnaps a mouse from a lab, and the mouse has this disease, and it starts spreading this disease. and And Nimoy plays the scientist who's got to try and it's like Outbreak, except on a TV movie budget. And I remember that was too was a very exciting because it's like, um, you know, uh, he 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 again like it wasn't quite the right role for him. Like that's the weird thing about. Nimoy. He, he was great, however, on Mission Impossible. Great as Paris. He hated it, though. Oh, That's that the right? funny thing. Yeah. That's why he was on it for such a short period of time. He right. asked out of his contract. Is that right? He felt there was nothing challenging about it as an actor, Yeah, which it, is But he had great presence in that role, I thought. And it was, you know, the disguises and all that stuff that he did. That I was... always said that I thought it would be, especially after Leonard passed away, to have Zachary Quinto do a cameo as Paris in the Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. With I think that would be great. And he doesn't have to be a big part of the team. Yeah, just just as a throw you know, maybe it's the teaser where it's the previous mission ending, you know, in the Bond fashion. <laughs> a, but know. who's that for? It's for me and you. Yeah. <laughs> and, we're see, and we're going to go see that movie anyway. So That's it's right. not... <laughs> I just think it would be, I think it would be great. You know, now we talked about, you know, Nimoy had this interesting uh, career path, which, and we'll get to more of, of him mm-hmm. in the 70s, but Shatner went a different way. Shatner... You know, had just come off an acrimonious divorce. Right. He had three daughters, and he had to support himself. So, in true Shatner fashion, he said yes to everything. everything. <laughs> and he did a succession of really Terrible awful stuff, movies. Right. You know, Big Bad Mama, a lot of bad... sex scenes with Angie Dickinson. Yeah, uh, that great was a, Angie that Dickinson. Was an, that was an HBO. That was in seventies HBO. A teenager watching seventies HBO got to see these sex scenes with William Shatner. <laughs> I'm not talking about a specific teenager, but it was a weird thing seeing him in those scenes with Angie Dickinson. It was a weird. It was, it was uh, weird. Uh, you know, and it was also, you know, of course, Kingdom of the Spiders. An army of deadly predators searching, destroying anything in their path. Why did they come? What do they want? In the tradition of the great science fiction thrillers, Dimension Pictures presents... Kingdom of the Spiders, starring William Shatner, Tiffany Bowling, Woody Strode, and introducing Altavise Davis. The spiders in this area have organized themselves into an aggressive army. I've never seen anything like it. One minute they weren't there, and the next minute they were everywhere. Jump at a girl! Listen, there's thousands of them out there. We'll never make it. Why haven't we heard from the sheriff? 
You must know we're trapped in here. I'm telling you, I don't think we should chance it. Your nightmares will never be the same. Kingdom of the Spiders, the next victim could be you. Which is, it was funny because um, Shout Factory, who put out the DVD, I remember they came to me and they said, look, um, you know, we want you to interview uh, Bill for um, our Kingdom of the Spiders special features uh-huh. because you already have a good relationship uh-huh. with him. And, and it was like, I remember when I called him and I said, listen, they want me to do this Kingdom of the Spiders. I said, I'm so embarrassed. Right. Said, no, it's fine. And he came over and talked to him about Kingdom of the Spiders. And he actually remembered quite a bit yeah. uh, about making the movie. And it's just awful. <laughs> it's just I've an never awful actually movie. seen it. It's an awful. Movie. I think I saw the only thing I've ever seen of it was on. They showed a clip of it on the. Um, well, and this will get into the bet. Maybe the, his most iconic performance of the 1970s. They showed a clip of it on the uh, Fantasy and Science Fiction Film Awards show back in the 70s when it when well, and the that's Saturn the, Awards in 1977 when he sang Rocket Man. Right, and that and yeah. so that's what I'm talking about. That performance yeah. as Rocket Man. Lives on if you've never seen it. I mean, it's it's an unbelievably terrible, wonderful thing that Shatner's doing. He's speaking the song Rocket Man, and I can't even describe it. He's it's, performing right it, and he's doing his three different characters: one at the beginning of his life, one in the middle, one at the end of his life. At least that's how he's justified it. Yeah, because he's like first he's rocking out, like I'm a rocket man. No, that's and the then, third character. That's uh, a weird thing. You got to watch it. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. And Mars and, ain't a place to leave your wife. I mean, like I mean, it's just oh my god, it is a thing. I mean that that I can't tell you because I've been a consultant and been involved with the Saturn Awards for a long time. But that is the thing everyone remembers about yeah. the Saturn Awards. Well, it, it, we did it. You know, Family Guy did a parody of it. Other people have done parodies of it because it it had this life. As this video before YouTube, it had a life as this video cassette mm-hmm. that was copied and passed around. Yes, because you couldn't believe it. I remember seeing it when it was on the air, and sort of, and I was a kid, and like, I think this is bad. But I was not. Again, I would never criticize Shatner. I watched everything Shatner did. Absolutely and loved it. Me too. Uh, yeah, and it was a very you know primitive stage of of live television production. So you had these weird step dissolves yeah. where there are three different Shatners. You know, one in the open tuxedo right. and one in the, you know where he's playing right. these three different. I mean, it is it's, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Well, and, uh, yeah. God, and then he did a, a couple of TV movies. He did like The Babysitter, and of course, uh, the one I think that's most fondly remembered, The Kidnapping of the President, which is sort of where he played a Secret Service agent. Kidnapping of the President was not a TV movie. It was here, but it was a theatrical movie. No, in Canada. it had it had a week in a theater here. Oh, it had a week in a theater, okay. and that, it was almost like day and date is now. Yeah, like oh, it, interesting. It, it went to television very quickly, but it wasn't a th- it was in theaters mm. for a little while here. I stand so corrected. Weird, it was a weird movie because uh, that came out right around the time of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, I think. Yes, and then you have when Khan came out, uh, Visiting Hours. What was that? Oh God, the horror movie set in it, he shot in Toronto in a hospital. He, he played this. Uh, this he, God, it's awful. It's so I remember the commercials. William Shatner visiting hours. <laughs> visiting hours are over forever. I think <laughs> at this hospital, you know, something like pretty, pretty, at this hospital, yeah. visiting hours are over forever. He uh, he did also a TV movie of this book. It was a very popular book. Uh, in school, it's called Go Ask Alice. Do you know what this oh, is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plays the dad in the TV movie version of Go Ask Alice, which was back in the early 70s. I mean, just again, as you said, he said he said no to nothing. And so you can see him in 
uh, police story, and uh, he can, he's in uh, the show Amy Prentice, and he's a uh, he's on the Twilight Zone, and he's on all these uh, guest starring roles in the seventies. You know, good guys, bad guys. Barnaby Jones. He's in a first season yeah. episode of Barnaby Jones, where he plays a guy who fakes his own death. Uh, you know, he's he. Uh, it, it was, he, and he's a great television actor in that, like you, you don't get. And then, of course, T.J. Hooker, which is like, you know, such classic Shatner acting, shacting they call it. It's the uh, you know the, the, that character, which was this sort of Reagan esque, like we're gonna take on the scum. You know, it was really it felt was like a sledgehammer Reagan... without the jokes. Yes, <laughs> you know? you're right. Well, you know, it's also interesting is that that year, the year the year T.J. Hooker came out, four television series came out that were just like it. Uh, Strike Force with Robert Stack, Today's FBI with Mike Connors, and McLean's Law with James Arness. And they were all shows, and then T.J. Hooker. They were all shows where an older cop is sort of tutoring a younger cop. They were all the same, that were, or a younger cop. Strike Force, he was, you know... And none of them lasted except T.J. Hooker, and it's because of Shatner. Shat- you're watching Shatner, and he's Thomas he's... Jefferson Hooker. <laughs> and then they parried him on Saturday Live when he was on. Remember, yeah, where he's yeah. hanging on to the car, uh, on the, the hood of, of the car, which is hysterical. And there's a scene in that sketch which I just love, which he's like writing a letter while he's on the hood of the car <laughs> to his wife, and he signs it Toby J. Like that. That they were basically saying T and T.J. Hooker stood for Toby. Oh my such god, a weird, that's stupid so joke. funny. <laughs> and you know the thing about that too is that um, that's the Get a Life episode. Yeah, that's the that's Get a Life, whole, that's uh, same episode. which he's brilliant in that whole yeah. thing. And, and people remember Get a Life, but he's great in that whole Ollie North. I mean, yeah, he's great no, the he's, whole way he's through. He's very funny on SNL. Um, the uh, um, you know Hooker was originally called Hooker. Yeah. And I remember the ads in TV Guide, Hooker. Right. And it was like no one at ABC realized like people would think this is about an escort or <laughs> prostitute. And they changed it to TJ Hooker because they realized they couldn't That's really hilarious. call it Hooker right. because people got the wrong impression right. what the show was about. And yeah, he you know, I just love that he gave so much to that show. He but shows up to work. You watch those <laughs> clips and he this guy is a guy showing up to work. But before that he did um <laughs> Of course, you know, another sort of iconic role for him was Matt Murdock in um, Airplane 2. Commander Murdock? What is it, Lieutenant? Sir, the Mayflower's in trouble. She's coming in hotter than a firecracker, sir. Their computer's down, they've lost their crew, and they're flying on manual control, sir. We better get to the tower, Lieutenant. We have no tower, sir. No tower? Just a bridge, sir. Why the hell aren't I notified about these things? Lieutenant, how would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. There's got to be a better angle. Uh, which oh, is probably which is the terrible. best thing about that horrible movie. Even he's terrible in it. It's oh. awful. <laughs> I mean, you know, Airplane 2 is awful because it's back in the day when sequels just repeated everything yeah, from the yeah. movie before Well, it. they also didn't, the Zucker Brothers didn't do it. And right. So the Zucker Brothers, that's the reason Airplane's a good movie. You, yeah. You know, it's not, you know. But, I mean, I, you don't like Shatner that when he looks through the uh, periscope and sees the Enterprise? That was the first time I ever saw the Enterprise on the big screen. <laughs> oh, maybe it was the second, but it was 1980. Because I did not enjoy it. But I, you know, I, I sometimes, um, you know, it, that was the only... That I, I was very, 
And Airplane 2 made me very angry. I mean, just in general. It's so a I don't, terrible movie. So I didn't like anything in it. Cause, okay. cause, because, again, I loved Airplane so much. I've never left that hard in a movie and then to go see the sequel. Look, I agree. I mean, Air- Airplane obviously is uh, ge- is one of the great yeah. comedies of all time. Right. It's brilliant. Airplane 2 is one of the worst. Right. But um, I do like Shatner. I think there was a gag, if I remember, with a door and then also him right. looking through the periscope and seeing the airplane. It's not a it's not a good movie by any means. <laughs> and, 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 and uh, you know, again, it was just sort of playing the type with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, right. but yeah, and then, he, you know, he continues to work through the 80s. Yeah, and, and, and he, he's, he's, he's got a good sense of humor. Like, he did Miss Congeniality. He's very funny in that. Well, and, then he starts parodying his own yeah, persona, right. which really starts with Free Enterprise, our movie, right. which I'm not going to belabor. Oh, that's uh, right. You really did. You really did kind of create... Help create because then he did Showtime. He did Showtime, where, where he basically making, plays himself. Right. Miss Congeniality, where right. he basically plays himself in right. a way. Um, so you know the 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 the, the, the um, commercials for Priceline, yeah, where he yeah. basically plays himself. So you know, Free Enterprise was sort of the beginning of that because I remember the movie he did right before he did Free Enterprise was like some Jeff Speakman B movie uh-huh. action. That's the kind of stuff he was doing when we sort of cast him, you know, Free Enterprise, yeah. which was the first time that he really did comedy. And you know, other than these little things, and then he, uh, you know, he'd done it on Fridays, he'd right. done it on Saturday Live, but he hadn't really been cast as a comedian. And then he does uh, Third Rock, you know, where right. you, you see how facile he is yeah, with yeah. comedy, and then he starts to get pigeonholed right. really as a comedian because right. even by the time he does um, uh, Boston Legal and right. um, Denny Crane, that's half drama, half comedy. Which he well, does I think so he, well. He probably learned in Free Enterprise that he could poke fun of himself, and it didn't undermine. Uh, I would think that an actor is always going to be worried uh, about if I make fun of myself, will anybody take me seriously right. again? And he he learned he clearly learned he took a risk with you guys, and real a big risk was his little independent movie, and the fact that he took it and did it, and you know, and and that he saw oh, poking fun of myself expands my possibilities; it doesn't limit them, and that's. Uh, what happened? I mean, and, and it's almost like putting a pin in a balloon in a sense that I think people felt, especially in the 80s, that, you know, their experience with him at conventions and everything, right. that he was a little too puffed up, that yeah. he was a little too right. full of himself. So when he was able to, you know, sort right. of make fun of himself right. and he was in on the joke, you know, yeah. people really embraced that. They, they love that. Right. Um, but, you know, I think when you look at the Star Trek actors, you know, we talk about a lot of schlocky things. But Leonard was involved with one of the great movies of the 70s, which, of course, is Phil Kaufman's remake of Invasion of the Body yeah, Snatchers. Yeah, yeah. Which no. is a terrific film. And he's good in it, too. He's really good. What is this supposed to do? Just a mild sedative to help you sleep. I hate you. We don't hate you. There's no need for hate now. Or love. I love you, Matthew. There are people that will fight you, David. They'll stop you. In an hour. You won't want them to. Don't be trapped by old concepts. Matthew, you're evolving into a new life form. Come and watch. We came here from a dying world. We drift through the universe from planet to planet, pushed on by the solar winds. We adapt and we survive. The function of life 
is survival. Yeah, he's creepy and I mean he's weird at the top and then sort of creepy later and and yeah, it's great, you know. I mean, again, Nimoy was in a lot of really uh a lot of really good stuff in the 70s and he you know, he he Fiddler uh, on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof <laughs> and uh, and uh, Vincent, right? Yeah, and, Vincent. Uh, yeah, that was his one man show that he toured with. He was very proud of that yeah, show. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was like he was interested in 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 acting, you know, he was really interested in in. Uh, but Vage of the Body Snatchers was a great film. It's well, like, that's the one thing that really came out of Planet of the Titans because the, Phil Kaufman really became close with um, Nimoy when they were developing oh, Planet of the Titans that. and oh, really wow. liked Leonard. And that that's, that movie was very Spock centric. It uh-huh. really was not in you know really focused on like that was the character that excited Phil Kaufman, Kaufman about Star Trek. Uh-huh. And so when that all fell apart and he was doing Invasion of Body Snatchers, right. it seemed like a natural thing to cast him, particularly for a character who is a therapist who is um, basically has all their emotions taken right. out of them when right. they become right, a pod right. person. Right. It was such a natural yeah, yeah, way yeah. to go. And yeah, he's yeah. so good. At, and of course, everyone's great in that. I mean, uh, Jeff Goldblum, Donald Sutherland, creepy, Monica Cartwright, Brooke Adams. Movie. It's a really creepy movie. I, I love that movie. Uh, I love that movie. I think it's really one of the great science fiction movies yeah. ever made. A uh, sense of para- paranoia yeah, and yeah. suspense, yeah, and it's yeah, just yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know, you remember, you know, we, we didn't mention this about Shatner, but he's great in the Larry Sanders show. It was one of the first episodes of Larry Sanders oh, show that. where funny. they're in the writer's room and they call Shatner as oh, being a guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say, can you say, and they, they're get, trying to get him to say Klingon. Hey, right. <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, it's so it funny. funny. I forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, then Leonard, of course, uh, really became more of a director than an actor through the eighties. Oh, that's right. Of course. So it's like, well, because of Star Trek three and four, he got to direct Three Men and a Baby, which you know was this giant hit and sort of propelled him into being you know a director for a few years. And then, yeah. And then I guess he had a couple of failures, and then he had a couple of failures, and he was apparently difficult to work with. So you had Holy Matrimony, and you had uh, New York Times, which became funny about love, and he had a series of, of of movies that didn't work. I mean, it got to the point where Holy Matrimony was sort of buried by Morgan Creek and oh, never really got that. a theatrical release. But um, he also did The Good Mother, based right. on Sue Miller, and it's funny because I had Sue Miller as a professor in college, right when that movie was being filmed, uh-huh. and I was so interested in talking to her about. You know, oh, Leonard Nimoy, what was right. Leonard, you know, and, and the, this she book is being, and she could care less. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was just like, but Leonard Nimoy's directing your yeah, book. Yeah, no, She's like, yeah. yeah the first uh, Star Trek actor I got to work with professionally was Nichelle Nichols, mm-hmm. uh, who did this TV movie that I co-wrote uh, called Captain the Zoom. Adventures of Captain Zoom in Outer Space. And, and that was a, I mean, that was, we kind of wrote this part, and uh, and Nichelle we we auditioned a lot of great actress actresses for it. Uh, France Nillian, who played mm-hmm. the line of Troyes, and yeah. a bunch of other actresses who came in for the role, and and then Nichelle was willing to talk to us. We didn't read Nichelle, mm. uh, uh, but it was like, and everybody who's working with me is like, "You want Nichelle, don't you? You want it?" Yeah, I'm like, "Yes," <laughs> <laughs> and she's great in the part. It was a great part for her, and she was so much fun to work with, and uh, so funny. You know, she would. She was telling me we were out to dinner one night when we were shooting, and she sort of she'd had a few drinks, and she was very funny describing uh, shooting uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. And for two weeks, I'm going wormhole effect, wormhole <laughs> effect, and he's going back and forth in her chair. <laughs> it was very. Funny. I mean, I have to say, I mean, in the 1960s, she's probably one of the most beautiful women on the planet, yeah. and it's amazing that she didn't work more. 
Um, well, I think that she didn't want to act. She, I think she wanted to be a singer. I mean, yeah. that's what everything I've read. If you see it, if again, if you're watching The Lieutenant, she's in an episode that's kind of interesting. It's called To Set, set it, it Right. Off. Yeah, Set It Right. And yeah. she's beautiful. She's probably like 20 or mm-hmm. something. She plays the girlfriend of Don Marshall, yeah. who would go on to be Lieutenant Bowman in Galileo 7. Um, and that episode actually Boma. killed- Lieutenant Boma. Boma. I'm sorry. Did I say Bowman? Boma. And- um, that ep- that show that episode is interesting because because Ronberry wanted to to do a, an episode that had uh, relevance and it's about it's a racial story of two soldiers one white one black the white actor Dennis Hopper Dennis Hopper and the black actor is Don Marshall and they and they're getting into conflict and it's about how you know they're trying to solve this conflict it's not a very good episode but it was very you know. Relevant to the time period, but you realize that was the end of the show. The network turned against him. Yes, that's what and, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, the military turned against Camp right. Pendleton. Wouldn't let him shoot there anymore, right? Because he was exposing racism in the military, yeah. and NBC was really upset. Sort of like what happened with Blackish recently, right. and um, basically he got the NAACP involved. So they sort of forced NBC to to air it, uh-huh. but they always blame Roddenberry for that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, no, it killed the series. It yeah. killed the series. But it was like, it sort of ends up being a weird precursor to Star Trek where Roddenberry wants to tell those kinds of stories using metaphor, metaphor and, yeah. al- and allegory. Um, but, uh, but it's interesting because you've got two Star Trek actors. You know, obviously Roddenberry knew certain actors and he liked using them. And, and Nichelle is stunning in that episode just she's she acts beautifully but she looks terrific well it's not telling tales out of school but she's written about this in a biography right. that ultimately Nichelle ended up becoming involved with Jean. right 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 um but uh yeah i mean she and she's great and she you know she really never got enough to do on on the show right. it's interesting to see the way that the the new movies have used Zoe Saldana because her horror has become right. a much more important character yeah. um for you know um well you know it's interesting cuz i i don't think it's interesting cuz None of the actors really got much to do. Shatner and Nimoy got to do all the work. Oh, it's on, a star vehicle, yeah, and, and I always felt it was. And all the complaining in retrospect, that right. they never, in fact, that, that sort of hurt the movies later when it was like we have to give everyone their moment and, because some of these guys really weren't up to it. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and that's not what the show is. Right. You know, it's not the show was not an ensemble. It was yeah, a star vehicle, right, right. and it wasn't designed. Yeah. Uh, you know, and right. and and the stuff feels very forced. Um, you know, George Takei, of course, missed shooting a bunch of episodes of uh, some of the best episodes right, of because course. he was shooting the Green Berets That's with John, right, John Wayne, Wayne. Yeah. which went over schedule. Right. And nobody remembers the Green Berets anymore, but no. they remember Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. Gotta. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, the choices you, you, you're making, you're not, as an actor, is that you're not always, you can't always see the future of like what, you know. I mean, I'm sure shooting a movie with John Wayne was something you weren't going to say no to. And, you know, Walter Koenig uh, did a bunch of interesting, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of guest spots in the 60s. Right. He was on all the big shows. Yeah. Um, and then you know, a lot of times playing Russians, right. uh, you know. And then um, uh, you, you see in the 70s, you know, he, he did a lot of, you know, he did schlocky stuff right. like Moontrap. And he probably best known outside of Star Trek for, you know, wonderful role, I thought, as Alfred Bester in Babylon 5. Yeah. And you that's know. clearly Straczynski paying homage first to this science fiction writer Alfred Bester, right. but then also clearly enjoying Koenig's role on Star Trek and seeing here's an actor who's not being used. I ran into, well, I, I did the Futurama episode where No Fan Has Gone Before, and that's where I met all, all the Star Trek actors. And uh, right before the episode aired, 
I ran into Koenig at, at a convention, and I went up to him, and he didn't remember me, but I reminded him who I was, and I had a tape of the episode, so I gave him a tape, and we just started chatting, and he was, and so I started asking him about going to conventions and stuff, and he was like, you know, so for, he said, I'm so fortunate, because I know so many of my peers from when I was acting in the 60s who don't work anymore, who don't have income from acting anymore. And I go to conventions and am paid to go to conventions because of my association with Star Trek. And he was he had such a great attitude about it. I was like, I I love this and also I'm so grateful that it like I, I have a an income and a life from it. Uh and that is an interesting thing too, that like so many of these so and and that's Babylon five for him mm-hmm. as well as like he was an actor on Babylon five because Straczynski, I'm assuming, knew him from Star yes, Trek. They were friends, and he also is a uh, a big fan boy, you know, yes. uh, Walter. So to be in this world, and I have to say, I've had similar experiences where, particularly, it was about two years ago when I was on book tour and I was helping, uh, I was uh, uh, doing some panels with Mark Cushman, right. and then um, spent some time with Walter in um, uh, in Spain of all places because right. we were there for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Um, at the Sigis Film Festival, right. and Walter was there, and I was there, and spent some time with him. And I, I, I just find him delightful. I, you know, he's very candid and very honest. Yes. And more than any of the actors, I think he is sort of a guy who thinks about right. the show and remembers the show and is sort of the historian. Right. You know, Leonard to a certain point, but like most of these people you ask about the show, they really don't remember anything right, about right, it. Right. They're just retelling the same <laughs> right. stories they've told. But for Walter... I think he really like remembers the experience of working yeah. on the show, and um, he's a really—I mean, I say curmudgeon in the best sense of the word. I really like Walter personally, and um, yeah. really interesting guy. And you know, it was a pretty thankless role. And you know, he got the short end of the stick a lot of times because, of course, he gets left out of the animated right. series. He, right. you know, there were a couple other times where Star Trek was coming back where he was, you know, not included, uh-huh. and right. um, and uh, you know. That's too bad. They, he had the stuff cut out right. from generations. His best stuff at the right. beginning, you know, with the yeah, that's right. orbit diving sequence. Right. And uh, well, let's jump to before. I know we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to talk for a minute about the next generation actors because yes, so many of them, you know, were. I mean, obviously Patrick Stewart. You can see him in Excalibur, in Dune, Life Force, uh, Life Force, I Claudius, uh, I amazing, and I Claudius. He's in a really interesting. British miniseries called The Fall of Eagles, where he plays Vladimir Lenin. Really? Uh, it's really interesting. You know, this guy was a staple of British television for a number of years, and you can see him in all sorts of stuff, and he's he's terrific in all of it. This is a man, this is the actor's actor. He's the, he, the, you know, but, but then also Marina Sirtis has a very interesting backstory, too. I know too. where you're going with this. Go ahead. Well... <laughs> There's a documentary on Netflix about Canon Films, and this oh, yes. is really where I learned about Marina's, like... Oh, really? Oh. I, see, I didn't know anything uh. about it. Uh, <laughs> and it's a, I recommend the documentary, but she was in all these uh, exploitation movies uh, uh, back in the, I guess it was the 70s it was, or early No, 80s. it was the mid-80s. mid-80s. The Wicked Lady was the mid-80s, <laughs> and uh, you know that movie is infamous. For, this is right before she was cast in Star Trek for the topless whipping fight with Faye Dunaway. <laughs> you know, Canon Films were these schlockmeisters, right. sort of the inheritor of the Roger Corman thing. Right. And, and they would basically announce all these movies, make half of them. Right. And then, one, you know, if they could put a big star in it, sell it can and pre-sell it, right. they would make it. So they basically sold the Wicked Lady on the back of Faye Dunaway. It was a time of revelry. 
and she was scandalous. It was a time of violence. And she was lawless. It was a time of passion. I've never yet deceived my husband. And she was the mistress of deceit. This is the lusty, bawdy, epic story of England's most legendary robber, the wicked lady. I'd make a dangerous enemy. You make a dangerous partner. Someone's following us. We'll outdistance him. None of this damn gold, we won't. Think of the excitement, the danger. Aim she was the most amorous, adventurous, out, and treacherous woman. The poison was not enough. Whoever lived. Never put your faith in a woman. She'll betray you in the end. <laughs> Faye Dunaway, Alan Bates, John Gielgud, Ben Holm Elliott, in a Golan Globus production of a Michael Winner film. The Wicked Lady, from Canon Releasing. And uh, Marina Sirsen, and there's this absolutely just hysterical scene where, like, they're whipping each other, mm-hmm. and their clothes start falling off, <laughs> and it's just awful. And, and most people don't remember it, but then this documentary, Electric Boogaloo, uh-huh. about uh, the wild and crazy days of Canon Films, right. resurrect that. And wow. to her credit, she's interviewed and talks about her experience wow. doing this crazy insane movie wow that yeah no it's really it's a great documentary she's also i mean she's also in a bunch of british television stuff from the from the 80s too she's in an episode of the jeremy brett sherlock holmes series Mm -hmm. called um the six napoleons and she plays an italian person and she's she speaks nothing but italian it's a very small part in the beginning of the end of the episode uh but you know it's a it's it's a it's funny to see because you forget that marina's British, and yes. she's in all this sort of British. I thought she was Betazoid. Yeah, <laughs> and then you see Brent Spiner shows up. And he's in an episode of Cheers. Before he was just a working actor, a working actor, just journeyman around. actor. Yeah, he was on an episode of Hill Street, a couple episodes of mm-hmm. Hill Street Blues, playing a porn director or producer. He's trying to get one of the cops to be in a porn movie, and uh, very kind of funny, sleazy role. Um, Brent's very funny yeah. very, and very versatile really really terrific right. actor but he also appreciated you know he was going to be a character actor the rest of his life so getting like Star Trek which right. was a star vehicle for right. him who's casting Brent yes. you know as a star and right. it's like you know he realized that wow what a great opportunity this yeah, was yeah. and made the most of it over really seven, seven years you know I have to say because you talk about the Wicked Lady you know we're talking about schlocky B movies right. with the one thing we did miss is Gene Roddenberry's, and we have to do a whole episode on oh, this. Oh, you should, yeah. Pretty Mates all yeah, in a row. Should, yeah. Oceanfront High is a model school with an enthusiastic faculty, a responsive student body, and real team spirit. Too bad about the dead cheerleader in the second floor, John. Mr. Popper! Was she raped, Captain? <laughs> you caught me. And I understand that you've uh, turned down a couple of offers to teach at university. Because I believe this is, as they say, where it's at. I really want you. Well, now, if we 
started doing that with our students, who knows where it would lead? Well, we'd certainly get to know them better. But some teachers might do it for pleasure. Yes, I suppose there could be some, some whistling while we work. Uh, which Quentin Tarantino calls one of the ten greatest movies of all time. It's not <laughs> by any means, but um, you know, Rock Hudson is in it, James Doohan right. and William Campbell Trelane are in it, and it's basically about this high school gym teacher who may or may not be murdering these sexy coeds. <laughs> it's directed by Roger Vadim, who right. did in God Created Woman, right. and Gene Ronberry wrote it, and it is a hoot. It, it's <laughs> it's bad in all the right ways. Yeah, no, you really. It's a. I've never actually seen it. I know. That's oh, you a, must no, see it. I must see it. And yeah. then we'll do a podcast. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're going to have you back to do Pretty Maids all in a row. I would love to do that. God, but, it'd be uh, great if Quentin would come and talk it, about oh, it. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but um, what was I going to say? The um, uh, Oh, Frakes. So Frakes obviously had North a- North and South. Had North and South. And you can see him on a bunch of- of shows too. I mean, the, the, he was a real journeyman actor as well, mm-hmm. going from show to show, and uh, and then I think really just went all in after Next Generation as a director. And became, oh, absolutely! Look, you you, you know. talk about a person who's appreciative of the opportunity. I mean, he's so happy for right. Next Generation, and then of course it led to Rick Berman giving him the directing opportunity right. on the on the Outcast for um, uh, the Offspring, Offspring, right for Offspring on um, Next Gen, and he just you know doing the features and now. He's directed for you. He's directed right. for me. I mean, he's very uh, talented director. Very and so much fun. He oh, directed last season, first season. He directed our uh, Charlie's Theron episode, and you know, you have it's a weird situation because you have, you know, you've got this big movie star who's doing a guest spot, and I, I think that there might might be some TV directors who would be intimidated, intimidated. by that, yeah. and he wasn't, and he jumped right in and created this great atmosphere on the set, and and you know. We already have a good set, but he just injected all this. He's so Frank's energy into that. it. Yeah, so. um, just bringing energy and enthusiasm. Right. right. I mean, some people don't know who come from other sets don't want to make of it. Like yeah. they're like, wow, well, you know, they're yeah, not yeah. used to a director being right. so avuncular yeah, and yeah. fun and, yeah. and 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 wanting to say that you right. know work can be serious but still be fun and be right. playtime. Right, right, right. So, but uh, uh, oh, and then of course you know Deep Space Nine. I mean the the great. The great role of Avery Brooks is Man Hawk. Called Hawk, yeah, well, on, on not Spencer Man for Hire, Ca- not Spencer Man for Hire, Hawk. on Spencer for Hire, yeah, yeah, and he <laughs> was great on that. I loved him on that. He was great. He, he, you know, if you read the Spencer novels, uh, the 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 TV series bears no real no real relationship to the books except for Avery Brooks's portrayal of Hawk. It's the exact character that Robert Parker create, wrote the books created, mm-hmm. and and Avery brings him to life in just this great way I love that series yeah. and when Avery was announced as the, I was so excited because I was such a fan of the Hawk character yeah. from that, that show and then it became a series of TV movies and yeah. then they did a short lived spinoff Man right. Called Hawk but um, Avery was great in that Robert Yurick was wonderful yeah, in that yeah. really terrific yeah, show no, that was, it was a fun show was a... and then we'd be remiss not to talk about Rene Arbogenois who um uh, you know, you look back at his performances, stuff like MASH. I mean, he's right. done a ton of theater also, but he was in the original Robert Altman film right. of MASH. That's right. And he's also another right. one of these consummate actors right. who's just been in a ton of great well, he was stuff. on Benson, right? He was on Benson for right. many years. Many years. Yeah. Um, another person who I like both personally and professionally who's just been terrific uh, is Armin Shimerman, right. who, you know, while he was doing Deep Space Nine, was also doing Buffy. Right. Right. Does a ton of theater, wonderful theater actor. Right. Um, you know, he, 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 you know, made a mark on 
in a terrible episode of Next Generation, but it was clear that he was great in that early right. first Ferengi episode, Lonely Among, not yeah. a Lonely Among Us, uh, the outpost, the, the right, the last outpost, the last outpost, and he's so wonderful. Uh, in, in that, even though that show is terrible. Really? You think he's wonderful? I don't know. I, I, I find the Frankie really hard to watch. Now. I find the Frankie hard to watch, too, but you <laughs> saw that this is a guy, you know... I think he's great. He's great as Quark. He, he saved the he's Frankie. He's great as Quark. He's great as Quark, so I don't think there's anything salvageable in the last half of us. Cade Mulgrew is another one. Cade Mulgrew and William Mrs. Shatner. Mrs. Columbo. Well, Mrs. Columbo, obviously, like the, the, for those of you who don't know, that, that they tried to spin off Columbo with his wife, with Kate Mulgrew playing it. It was terrible. But Kate Mulgrew and William Shatner, I think, are similar in that they're both television stars. And, and Kate Mulgrew's in everything for years. Like, starting as a young woman, she's in so much television. And she, because she, and she continues to be. Orange is the New Black is like re, reinvented her career. And, and nominated she, for an Emmy for that. And and that speaks to her talent as an actress. I mean, she just she knows how to be. She knows how to act on television to create like this the compelling thing. And and you see her in all sorts of stuff going back, you know, twenty years before Voyager. And then figured out how to break. I think the the curse of the Star Trek captains, which is, can you be? Can you do something else after it? You know. Well, it's so interesting that the original casting on that was Genevieve Bougeau, where they were trying to take a movie star and make her a TV star. Right. And, you know, th- does that work for Star Trek? Well, clearly in this case it did not. Well, it's interesting, too, if you can see this, you can see the scenes. They were included on one of the DVD sets of what she shot. And you can, you're can you seeing a very serious actress taking the idea that Janeway is the scientist. And she's playing a scientist, but it's missing the fact that she's also got to be the captain. And it's like, it's interesting because she's doing, her acting is actually very good in sort of creating this character part of the scientist, but it's not, it's not, Wow, I've never seen that. I didn't know those were on any of the. Oh yeah, they're sets. on the they're on the DVD. I've never season. seen that. Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. Michael Piller used to say to me, he said, "I got the footage, and I'm never showing it to anyone." No, it's out there. I've seen it, yeah, and I think okay. it's on the DVD set. Wow. And it, you can see, like, it's not. She's not doing Star Trek acting, which is a specific kind of acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's trying to. You can see that this actress is trying to create this character of this sort of thoughtful, introverted scientist. But that can't. You can't do that no. and be captain of a Star. You have to have this this ineffable charismatic, right. you know, quality that inspires uh, people to want to follow you. Not right. only on the show, right, but, but the audience, but the audience, and right. and that's why somebody like Shatner or right. Patrick or um, you know Avery or, or right. you know Kate Mulgrew, they they have that. Whereas yes. um, right. you know, and and then you know, it, it was interesting with Enterprise because here you have an actor in, in Scott Bakula who had mostly done TV. He had, right. after Quantum Leap, dabbled in features, hadn't had a ton of success with movies like Lord of Illusions, um, and then came back to TV and now is a huge, you know, arguably a bigger TV star right. uh, now with, uh, with uh, NCIS New right. Orleans than he ever was back yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, no, probably, probably not. Yeah. Oh, so one last thing, LeVar, of course, you have to talk about Roots. Oh, for sure. And then here's this little, I don't know that this is still the case, but when LeVar, when I worked on Enterprise, LeVar directed a couple episodes, and he drove a car, there was a big uh, black Escalade, hmm. and the, the windows were tinted, so you couldn't see who was driving it, but the license plate was Kunta, 
<laughs> for Quinta Quinta. Quinta Quinta. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, well, Lavar, you're not really keeping it a secret. <laughs> yeah, who's inside? <laughs> driving the car. <laughs> There's only two guys that could be. That's right. You and John Amos. Uh, and I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, Lavar had obviously Reading Rainbow, but it was like, you know, that that was a real iconic role. Huge. Quinta Quinta and Roots. And that was a bit, people forget it was a big deal to get him. For next gen, yeah, because none yeah. of these people were known at all except for Levar. Except Levar, Levar, Levar yeah. was like a the big deal yeah, when they announced yeah, that. Yeah. It's like, oh, Levar Burton from right. Roots, right. wow, yeah, no, it's really because really no one had heard of any of these, right? Other people. Patrick Stewart wasn't known to anybody at all, you know. And then it's interesting because Jolene hadn't really done much before and hasn't done anything. She married a very rich, rich <laughs> man, and she sort of gave up acting. Oh, is that right? I yeah, had, hadn't been following, but Jolene was, you know, a great. She was a great Vulcan. Not she that she great. needed to marry somebody. Right. She was rich from Enterprise, but apparently, I mean, I guess I don't know. You know what? She was rich from Enterprise. Well, I mean, you know, five years with residuals, and you know, whatever. four years. I mean, four years. I mean, I don't know. Money. Okay, maybe not rich. You know, but, nobody gets rich. Okay, but the, the fact of <laughs> matter, she married a very, very wealthy entrepreneur, somebody very famous who I don't remember, right. and uh, she she left acting for a while. But I mm. think now she's dabbling again, mm. and. Um, mm. But, you know, the rest of them are all sort of working actors. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody from Enterprise who's really broken out in anything else. Uh, but, you know, there is, of course, the sort of recurring characters, Andrew Robinson and Deep right. Space Nine. Everybody right. knew from Dirty Harry. He played That's Scorpio. Right. That's right. Um, Jeffrey Combs uh, right. from Reanimator, yeah, yeah. who has been right. a gift to all these shows. Yeah, uh, well, he's amazing the number of aliens he's played. Just, stuff, you know, yeah. he's played, uh, right. you know, Vorta. He's played right. Andorians. He's right. played everything. Right. And he's right. just, you know, I, I worked with him on something, and he, uh, two, two, two projects, and he was great. He's just a delightful yeah. guy. Well, um, Ale- um, Alexander Siddig was in something recently. What was he in recently? In Game of Thrones. Oh, that's right, yes. He did a season and a half on Game of Thrones. Yeah. and. He was great. Terrific. terrific. He's another yeah. super talented actor. Yeah, great he man. was. I remember he did um, Syriana, the George Clooney That's movie. Right. That's right. Um, and I really thought that uh, I thought of anyone, he would have a bigger right. career than he has, or at least Calmini's career, where Calmini is a right. guy who just goes from movie to movie. Right. He's really good in everything he yeah. does, but he's not like a household right. name. No, he's, he's not. But he's he's great. He's he's done some just some great roles, a lot of bit roles, but then. For family, I remember some Irish family drama that he did that I don't. I'm sorry. And people forget about Gates. Gates was a choreographer, right? You know, so she had actually worked on uh, the movement for La- Labyrinth. Labyrinth. And, oh yeah. And uh, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, you know, she had small roles like she was in um, right. uh, Hunt for Red October. She was the first. Ja- I know. She yeah, was out Baldwin's wife. And she's British, which is what the character is in the book. Yeah. Which they dropped. Uh, which they dropped in the yeah. next movies, but yeah. and uh, yeah, and uh, so, um, uh, but she she didn't do a ton of acting before, and then you know she hasn't done a ton since. But yeah. I I think choreography was her her thing, and then she did a really nice job directing. She finally got her chance uh, seventh season. She did Genesis, that's right, which is a pretty goofy episode. Yeah, it's cool, but, but she cool. did a good job. It's yeah, scary it's and creepy, yeah, and, and it's, nicely it's good done. Stuff. Good stuff. Um, I think we've covered it. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Patrick continues to work. He's yeah, going to yeah. be doing the uh, the Picard series, and right. he did a wonderful job in X Men. I mean, I remember when they were first talking, who would play Professor X? Right. Uh, it seemed inevitable that this uh, was a amazing. role that he. He's was also been get. on. Amer- I worked with him on American Dad, and such a. This is a guy who knows how no understands comedy as well as drama. He's a true professional. And- 
He's super funny. Well, he did that show for two years for Stars with that's Seth right. uh, that's right. uh, as yeah. well. Right. Um, yeah, and again, just uh, just terrific. We, we, you know, when there was that brief period of time where we almost did Free Enterprise Two, yeah. we were um, trying to get Patrick. Oh, is that right? To do uh, it, it would have been great having Shatner and Nemo, right. uh, Shatner and uh, Patrick Stewart together, and of course that all f- unraveled before it got any kind of meaningful conversations uh-huh. ensued. Um, and how wonderful is he and Logan? My God, yeah, it's amazing. I mean that that was a, a Academy worthy nomination yeah. for best supporting actor. It never happened, sadly. Yeah. Yeah, there's a way in which the genre actors don't often get their due in terms of what they're doing. You know, they're doing work on the screen and isn't quite valued by by award season in the same way that that others are. But yeah, Patrick's just such a talented. Well, it's so funny you talk about the Star Trek actors being um, uh, typecast, but we just talked about so many different roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great to sort of look at it the, through this lens because um, right. what what a, what a rich uh, group of uh, right. roles they've gotten. So what's the what's the one? I mean, if you had to say point to one, pick out the one that somebody should take away from the show. They finish listening to the podcast. If they're not in the car, they should uh, go home and uh, watch. What's the one? Hmm. Hmm. That's a very good question. I would say that William Shatner on Columbo is one of the greatest guest star. It's a great Columbo. He's great. He's a great villain. And if you've never seen it, uh, I, w- I, would, I would watch that. Well, for kitsch value, I would say Shatner and Alexander the Great. But if we're going for just sheer quality, yeah. if you haven't seen Leonard Nimoy in Invasion of the Body Snatcher 79 oh, right. or Patrick Stewart and Excalibur. Yes, well, that that the, that's a great movie. I I think if I was going to go for kitsch value, I'd say William Shatner in Big Bad Mama. Okay, if I'm going to go for kitsch value, <laughs> I'm going to go for Patrick Stewart in Life Force, where he gets to kiss Stephen Rails back. Uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, guys, this has been uh, David. It's always so great having you on the show. Uh, I mean, it's so great to be here. I had such a great time. This was, I've been wanting to have this conversation for my whole life. It's only been in my head. See, for my that's whole the life. whole reason we yeah. created this podcast <laughs> to have all these conversations we could only have over drinks at Lola's, yeah, but then they close Lola's. <laughs> so now we have to do it on uh, a podcast. Right. Um, but I want to just say to everyone um, that uh, you can continue to follow Inglorious Trek experts on Twitter and Instagram at Inglorious Trek, as well as on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Inglorious Trek, where you can continue the conversation by suggesting new show topics and give us feedback on every episode, even this one. Tell us what you, you know favorite roles, uh, non-Star Trek roles uh, you're fond of. In addition, if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts. You can hear new episodes of Inglorious Trek experts every Sunday, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're a fan of Star Trek Discovery, don't miss our all-new podcast, Disco Nights, with host Chase Masterson and special guests every week with all-new episodes premiering every Thursday night. And finally, a very special thanks to Bill Ritter, Natalie Miscali, and everyone here at Electric Surge Network for making the show possible. We could not do it without you. So until next week, on behalf of David Goodman and a returning Darren, re- returning Darren Doctorman, uh, this He's is very... billions and billions of miles away. He, he, he is. He That's is my On the spaceship. But it's not as good as Darren's. <laughs> Uh, Not even close. No, no, no. But uh, Darren is the, uh, somebody called him the rich little of Inglorious Trexperts, and they meant that as a compliment. Uh, so uh, until next week, on behalf of myself, a traveling Darren Doctorman, and a very much here David A. Goodman, keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course. Good night.
This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.